0: Yeah, hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Josh. I'm one of the leaders here at Christchurch. Um, and uh, at the moment, we are going through a series in the book of 1 John. Um, and I'm going to be speaking to you in a moment um, about the passage that we're up to. But I just thought it would be worth um, giving a little introduction to today's reading, because only a few words into it. We're going to be reading that this is the last hour and the Antichrists have come. Um, so just a word on that, just Please don't be freaked out if this is your first time here and you want to know what kind of church we are. We're not the kind of church who's really obsessed with the controversial things, things like antichrists. What I'm going to do, I'm going to try and be really careful when I explain it to you and show you what I think the text is uh, really saying. Um, And it's nothing to particularly be worried about. The fact that we are on this is only because, or on this passage, is because we do believe that God speaks through every part of his Bible. So we don't just choose the controversial bits, the meaty ones, or anything like that, um, but... Uh, This is just where we're up to in this letter, and it so happens to to be in this letter. So um, when that gets read out, don't freak out. When we get to that um, in my talk, then um, I'll try and make it as clear as I can um, what that is doing there and uh, why. It's not something for us to be particularly uh, uh, terrified about today, but we should know about it. I'm going to hand over to Amy, who's going to come and read the passage. She'll tell you what the passage is and where it is in your Bibles.
1: So the passage is 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 26. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray.
0: Thanks very much, Amy. Um, So keep that passage open in front of you. Um, and before I speak about it, we are going to pray. So let us let me pray. Dear Father, we do believe that you speak through every part of your scripture, the bits that um, are simple to understand and the bits that talk about Antichrist. We believe that you speak to us through all of those bits, and we um, pray for your spirit to speak this morning. He's already spoken and your word is written down, but we pray that as we come to listen to the words you've spoken, that uh, our hearts will be opened and that we will we'll be attentive to hear what your spirit is saying through these words on this page. We pray uh, that it would be transforming as we encounter you this morning, and we uh, pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love music, but I've noticed when I go through all my albums I have that I'm always about 10 to 15 years behind the times. So 1998 to 2009, loads of albums, all my favorites. But I kind of sometimes wonder whether I'm stuck in the past with my music, Uh, because I haven't really kept up that well with more modern trends, how music has developed and become maybe more sophisticated these days. I realized this when I met up ages ago with an old school friend of mine. Now, this school friend, when we were 16 or 17, He came into school and brought a CD in to share with me, something he'd really loved. Um, And it was by a band I'd never heard of, and maybe you've never heard of them either, but it was by a band called Counting Crows. And I I loved it. And this became a shared passion of me and my friend. Well, years later, after university, after we'd all moved away, um, I met back up with this friend of mine, and he says, oh, Josh, what music are you listening to these days? And I said, oh, well, you know, counting crows uh, i you know went to go and see them in a gig and, and i just bought their the latest album just the other month have you got it yet and my friend said oh yeah oh yeah counting crows that's a blast from the past isn't it and he explained how he hadn't really listened to them for ages he'd moved on he was now into electronica and jazz and experimental music I wonder if you can relate to something like that in your life. Maybe not music, but perhaps a TV program or a book or an activity that you used to do with friends. You used to share a passion for something with your friends, but you found that they've moved on and you haven't. And for me, there was just this tinge of embarrassment, this sense that maybe I was a bit naive or a bit immature for still liking the things I liked when I was in my teens. Now, I don't suppose that type of thing really matters when it comes to music, But for many of us, maybe you've experienced that when it comes to your faith in Jesus. Isn't there somebody you know, perhaps even someone from this church, or perhaps somebody who's an older Christian, someone who you used to look up to in your Christian faith, and and you can remember a time when back then you shared this shared passion, you together you believed those old stories about Jesus and his miracles and the cross and the resurrection. now you speak to them, and they've sort of, uh, sort of moved on. They, they say, well, actually, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. But I've come to realize that being a Christian isn't so much about Jesus, but it's, it's more about the truth you make for yourself. Or they say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian, but but I've kind of gone deeper in, and, and I've kind of encountered all these other world religions and tapped into them, and and now I actually feel really real and really spiritual. I've come to realise that Jesus isn't the only way to God. We were all just kind of circling around the same thing. And maybe to you, it feels like their faith—it's not what it was, but yeah, it looks like it's grown. It looks like they're vibrant." Their life is full of good deeds and great things, and the way they speak really engages other people. The the, the things they're doing really touches on the things that are important to our culture right now. You just feel a bit naive and immature, because your faith is based on those same stories of miracles that you heard when you were in Sunday school. And maybe if your faith doesn't go back that far, maybe you've become a Christian only in the last six months or six weeks, but... Maybe you've already encountered something like that, and I assure you, you probably will at some point. Because that type of thing is quite unsettling for a Christian. You start to wonder if maybe they've got a handle on something that you haven't. They're going deeper into something that, that you don't have access to. Maybe they are really plugging into the heart of deep, authentic Christianity. Now, this part of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 18 to 27, that is addressed to this kind of situation. Now, this whole letter of 1 John, he's going to say later on towards the end, I'm writing to you in this whole letter, to you who who simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so that if that's who you are, you just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. Because there's loads going on behind this letter that's really quite unsettling to Christians. And John wants them to know, to be sure, to be able to affirm the authenticity of their faith. And I want to do that this morning. I want to affirm that authenticity of your faith. If you believe in Jesus, even if you're hearing news that there's something deeper, something further, something more. Because at the center of John's message is that authentic Christianity rests on the real historical person of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And yet in the church that John's writing to, it seems those stories about Jesus, who they know as John's buddy, well, they're just stories about his mate. They don't quite cut the mustard. If you have a look down at verse 19, it says that some people have moved away from that church. And they've had this idea that they can move on from the stories of the physical man, Jesus. They've moved up onto some sort of spiritual plane, they think. They think they may have discovered the spiritual Christ, not John's buddy, Jesus, but the spiritual Christ, or that they've got some secret knowledge. They might be calling it an anointing from God, some secret anointing that that gives them a direct connection to God without having to go through John's buddy, this mate of his, Jesus. So the readers of this letter, they're quite unsettled. They feel quite naive. They've been made to feel immature, just like I did when my friend had forgotten about counting crows but a 100 times worse. They feel a bit immature for believing those same old stories that John's been bringing them. But John is writing to them to say, don't be unsettled. I'm actually writing, not verse 20, verse 21. He says, I'm not actually writing to you because you don't know the truth and I need to pass this special stuff on. He says, verse 21, I'm writing to you because you actually do know it already. You're already there. In the person of Jesus, you've got the beginning, the end, the absolute full substance of what authentic Christianity is. So we're going to dig into what John says as he says this, as he explains this. We're going to see that John tells us three things. He's going to tell us about fake news, about old news, and about no news. So um, they kind of represent different sections of the passage. Starting in verses 18 to 22, let's see what he says about fake news. And it's that verse 18 where we begin is that bit that some of us find a bit unnerving or surprising or confusing, the bit about antichrists. Because here's John, he, he wants to comfort and affirm to these authentic Christians that their hope is genuine, and he comforts them by saying, many antichrists have come. I don't know if that's the kind of thing that makes you comforted or feel um, more, less unsettled. Let me just point out how we're going to look at this passage. I think it's only a fair way to treat any Bible passage by not reading into the text, what we might already have heard from somewhere else about what an antichrist is. So please for now, let's just, let's just shelve anything, any conception you might have in your mind of some demon with a pointy tail, horns and hoofs, or uh, let's shelve the idea of, of this antichrist world leader with nuclear weapons and a big red button, um, or some child with red eyes who's evil incarnate, or whether this is referring to Donald Trump, or on the other hand, anyone who's not Donald Trump, let's just hear what John says. We're going to look at what the words of this passage say. Remember, John wants to reassure and affirm that his readers are authentic Christians in the face of a message that keeps on belittling their faith. And I think a simple way of explaining what John says is this. He says, at this stage in God's plan for history, we would always have expected there to be people who influence you to lessen your trust in Jesus. I'll say that again. At this stage in God's plan for history, we would always have expected there to be people who come along and say things that try and lessen your trust in Jesus. Imagine you're on a journey. You're sent on a journey by somebody, and uh, you don't really know how long the journey's going to be. But they do say that on this journey, you're going to have to take a plane, then a train, then a bus. And then you've been warned. When you get on the bus, the last leg of the journey, well, there's going to be other passengers who tell you to to get off because you've arrived. But you haven't actually arrived. Now, uh, that's a strange scenario. You can't relate to that. I've never done that. But um, imagine Christians are on that bus journey. We're on the last leg of the journey. That's what John means when he says it's the last hour. It doesn't necessarily mean the end is nigh. The end of the world is just around the corner. He's not wrongly predicting the end of the world in his lifetime. He just means that God has planned history, and this is the last leg of that journey. So we've had the Old Testament where God promises Jesus. That was the first leg of the journey, but now we know that's come to a close because all the promises have been completed in Jesus. You've got the second leg of the journey where Jesus lives and dies and rises again and goes to heaven and sends his spirit but ever since he sent his spirit on christians well that's that second bit of the journey complete dear children this is the the last bit that's what he means this is the last bit but you've always been warned all along even from jesus that there will be people at this stage claiming false arrivals undermining jesus claiming you can get to where you want to get to by by jumping off this journey you're on and doing something different and i take it it's those people who john refers to as antichrists have a look at verse 22 who is the liar it is whoever denies that jesus is the christ such a person's the antichrist Now, he's not saying this, by the way, so that he can arm Christians to point at the neighbors in the neighboring church (laughs) and so that we can label people you disagree with as antichrists. He's only saying this so that you know what you're dealing with. John thinks that knowing this is exactly what you and I need when we are discouraged by that friend or church leader or family member who now starts to talk about having arrived, having got this personal connection with God, but without having to go through repentance and faith in Jesus. Or who tells you those gospels about Jesus, they're probably not true, but what's important is just faith in something. Listen, even if your best friend tells you that they don't need the Bible anymore because God just speaks words directly into them, or if you watch TV and you see an archbishop who says that Jesus probably never really existed in truth, if that unsettles you that they might know more than you, that they've got some more sophisticated or nuanced or more developed faith because they seem to know more than you. Well, listen to this. We are currently living in the last leg of history, and we've always been warned that people will say that kind of thing. We would always have expected people to be saying false things about Jesus and things that will make your faith in Jesus seem silly. But now you know that, you can identify that as being false. We might live in an era of fake news and misinformation, but we've always been warned that that's what we should expect when it comes to what people tell you about Jesus. And that will be the case until this bus journey we're on. I don't know how long it's going to be, but until we reach the end and Jesus comes. So how do you know what to believe? But, verse 20, But, as for you, Well, John speaks affirmation to authentic Christians, and he tells them of two things that give them confidence in the faith that they do have. Verse 20, but you, here's how you know what to believe, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Now, he elaborates on those two things the other way around, uh, and we're going to look at them in turn. So verses 22 to 25, the next section, he affirms to them, that they know the truth. He affirms to them that they have a relationship with God the Father because of the truth of Jesus the Son. And that truth that they know, well, that is actually just old news. It's old news. It's stuff that they already know. Um, Just the other week, I was walking in Liverpool, and I walked past a church, and it had a sign on it um, that was advertising itself as being progressive. And I think that's a bit of a celebrated value at the moment. This isn't the actual sign. Um, I don't walk around taking signs and photos. I just managed to find on Google another church who has a sign that says they're progressive. And being progressive seems to be quite a, a celebrated value in our culture at the moment. Because it says to us this idea that society is moving forward. It's got more fair and more advanced values today than it did in bygone years. And so being progressive means we're kind of keeping up with modern day values and I wonder if something like that is going on behind John's letter as well because clearly some people have begun to teach that some things have moved on or evolved to something better than the plain old message the Sunday school message that Jesus is a human who's also God among us and John wants to give authentic Christians a confidence to know that however in tune however kind of in vogue this new message might seem However in tune with today's values it might feel, there is no progressing from those old truths, the old news that you already know. The lie, he says, verse 22, is denying that Jesus is the Christ. So the truth that they have is, well, he describes it in this phrase, what you heard from the beginning. That's the truth he wants them to know. And he says, it's the truth you have. That phrase, what you heard in the beginning, is a phrase that crops up quite a lot in, in this letter, um, and it actually harks back to the first two verses in the letter. So the first two verses in this whole letter, 1 John 1 verses 1 and 2, let me read them out for you. They'll be on the screen as well. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, with, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched... This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to, him, to us. He's describing Jesus in there, and he's describing him as the one who is with the Father forever, eternally, and also the one that he's seen and touched. He's saying the old message, is the message I've always been telling you, is that God became man. Jesus, the human, is the son of God. So that which was from the beginning is the old news, is the Jesus they trust. John says that this message is that God's son became a physical, touchable human. And by knowing him, you're brought into the eternal life with the father. And for John, there's nothing more progressive or advanced than this. There's nothing more spiritual you can get than knowing this truth, this old news, this truth that was there from the beginning. And he actually goes on to say, if you lose that truth... If you let go of the truth, that old news about Jesus Christ, who is God, and became human, the God-man, if you lose that, well, you actually lose every meaningful spiritual connection. Jesus is the way to relationship with the Father, the eternal God, and eternal life. So by denying Jesus, well, you deny the Son and the Father, and it cuts off any connection with the Father, and it so cuts off any connection with eternal life. It all rests on the old news that Jesus, is the Son of God, became man. So he instructs these authentic Christians not to move on from that truth. All of you know that truth. So he says in verse 4, see to it that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. It's not new news. It's old news. It's not evolved. It's not progressed. The historical Jesus is the way to the Father, and it's the truth that we live by, and it is the eternal life that god offers and that's john's simple message to you and i today especially when we find similar messages coming to us from the outside i want to say to you today see to it that, that old message remains in you please take confidence that you're not being naive or gullible for believing the stories in sunday school the old news is what it all rests on you're not immature you're not gullible this message of Jesus was always authentic when it was written down way back when. He was always the only way to this amazing spiritual life with the Father. And by believing that, you've got eternal life, the most profound spiritual connection you can possibly have. And so every week at our church, we come back to the old news. We open up the old Bible. Now, John's not spe- particularly specific about what it means to see to it, that this remains in us. I take it having this remaining in us is simply a case of continuing under the regular influence of listening to the Bible's truths about Jesus. I think letting it remain in you is just getting into habits, good habits where you listen to other people explain Jesus from the Bible or where you speak to one another about Jesus from the Bible or where you actually open the Bible yourself. Get into habits of that. I guess as you're all here... You probably are already in some good habit of coming here to church to talk to others and to listen to Jesus explained. Well, can I just encourage you, John encourages you, not to lose confidence that this is plugging into the truth. This, what we're doing, is plugging in to the eternal truth. There's nothing more progressed or evolved or developed than this. And if it remains in you, then you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Please believe that it is worth going out of your way and building your life around the importance of getting this to remain in your heart. That truth to remain in your mind and the reality of this to remain on your lips. So John says you needn't be moved by people, even if they're usually trustworthy. People who play down the importance of Jesus. Or the reality of Jesus. You needn't be moved by those people because they're not right. And you know that because you have the Bible truths. The old news about the historical Jesus. In other words, you know the truth. But here's the second thing he says. is kind of the third point. But um, he wants you to know that you can rest secure. That nobody who you know or come across has got any sort of spiritual connection than you have. Verse 20, he says... You have an anointing. And what that means is there's no news that you need to hear. John goes into that in verses 26 and 27. There's no news that you need to hear. Um, I have this strange experience when I go into restaurants. I don't know if this happens to you. So you walk into a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress takes you to your table, and they ask you the question. Do you know what question they ask? have you been here before? Have you eaten with us before? And you say, oh, no. So they say, okay, let me explain the menu to you. So on the left here, under small plates are are the small plates we do, and they're just a bit smaller. And then in the middle here, under the main dishes, these are the main dishes, and on the back is desserts. Um, So I'll give you a few minutes, you can work out what you'd like, and I'll be back in a few minutes to take your order. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I haven't eaten here before, but I have eaten somewhere before. I do know how restaurants work. They, they say this. I mean, I, in fairness, I, I think I know why they say it, if they've got like a complicated menu, in fairness. But I still find it odd. It's as if this restaurant has got this kind of such a complicated and, uh, and special and unique way of operating that you need this kind of little mini initi- initiation to be properly clued up. I just think that's quite odd. I'm, I'm quite good at, you know, reading a menu and telling them what I like. Well, I don't know, maybe you find that helpful. I don't know, because maybe working your way through small plates and half plates and sharing plates and sides, maybe that is just quite impossible to work out. Maybe actually you do need an initiation into the special ways of a restaurant. But John says that Christians never need a special initiation into the special secret ways of God. And that's the danger I think he's countering in verses 26 and 27. And that is also a danger that I think you and I are going to be susceptible to all the time today. It seems that John is writing to Christians who are hearing other Christians or other people spread the the lies that in this last hour, uh, in in this last hour, um, and this is really anti-Jesus work or anti-Christ work, they're hearing people spread the lie that John's that Believing John's stories is naive, and what you need is to tap into some extra spiritual dimension. It's only really available through them. What's going on is that probably there are some false teachers who've said they've got some special anointing. I mean, that's quite a good way of manipulating people, isn't it? They say, of course you want to know God. Yeah. Of course you want to listen to God's word for you today. Yeah. Yeah. So they say, well, I have a special anointing from God, and I can tell you what he wants to know, what he wants you to know. So come to my church, tune into my channel, watch my videos on YouTube, and I can put you in touch. So John, again, he wants to affirm these unsettled and beset believers that they don't need that, that believing in the historical Jesus is key to authentic faith. And he says to people who've only ever believed that Jesus is the son of God who died for them. And nothing special, nothing more than that. He says to them in verse 20, you actually do have an anointing. If you've heard other people have an anointing, you, you do. You have an anointing. Then verse 27, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Listen, that is true for you today. There isn't a pastor or a church who can enrich your Christian life other than that they open up the old news and speak to you about Jesus. There is no new news. There is nobody who is more spiritually connected. However amazing their experience, there's nobody who's more spiritually alive than an ordinary person who believes that old news, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth, human being, is also God, that he took your sin and died on the cross and rose again. When you believe that, you've got the anointing. You've got the deepest spiritual connection you can possibly have. I take it that this anointing, um, he doesn't say really what it is, but I take it from elsewhere that this means the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's talked about the Son bringing us into relationship with the Father. We believe that there is a Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. But that means you don't need anything extra. When you believe the gospel of Jesus, you have the Spirit. Nobody's got any more than you. Now, it says you don't need anyone to teach you. Um, when I read that in my prep, I was thinking, oh, <laughs> this is a week off for me because everyone's going to say, we don't need you to teach me. Um, but I did decide to come up here and, and speak about this. Let me explain to you what I think is going on, though, with you know, what I'm saying. I don't actually believe that I'm teaching you anything that either you didn't already know or that you would have found out by carefully reading the Bible with the help of God's Spirit. I don't actually believe that I'm, I'm teaching you anything something new. And I'm not speaking to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do, because you've got it in the Bible. So me and Morris and all the church staff and all the elders, we've been charged to use our time to apply those old truths to you. And it's our responsibility to model them by example. But let me say that we don't have anything that you don't. If you trust in Jesus, you've got the Spirit of God in you. So again, please don't let it confuse you or let it unsettle you. When some Christian you know dips into other religions that say Jesus aren't the, isn't the Christ, and yet through that they feel some deeper connection with the spiritual or with God. Even if you yourself feels like it feels like your own faith is a bit cerebral and a little bit dry, the truth of the Bible is you do actually have an anointing, though, and you have the Spirit of God in you. But that anointing isn't about feeling mystical. That's maybe why you're not feeling mystical it's not about feeling mystical or having any sort of ecstatic feels that anointing is about remaining in jesus seeing more of him growing deeper into him keeping on staking your life on those old truths that he died on the cross as a swap sacrifice to bear your punishment for rejecting god and rising from the dead to open up the way to know god keeping on believing that is the work of the spirit in your heart And that brings you into a profound life-shaping relationship with the God who made you through that spirit in your heart. Now, I just want to say to you, if you are here today, but you've never really taken Jesus seriously, if Christianity is quite new to you and you've never really gotten to the bottom of it or never actually wanted to kind of take it on board and believe it for yourself, well, I wonder whether this part of the Bible does say that you, you don't know the truth because you haven't fully and properly encountered Jesus. And I suppose it does mean you do need someone to teach you, but it's not me. You need this anointing, which John says Christians have, and I don't mean anything super crazy beyond just when you come to Jesus with your heart open, your mind open, and you're willing to listen to what he says and let what he says affect you, Well, that's the point at which God's Spirit is then going to work in your heart. That's the anointing. And then he will teach you. And he will bring you into this relationship with the Father and the Son. And if you've never thought about doing that, I want to encourage you to give it a go. Listen to Jesus. His Spirit will work in you and bring you to know that these old truths are are really the ones worth staking your life on. And if you do believe that, well, John's message is that the spirit is in you and the historical written-down truths about Jesus in the Bible are all you know. And you have in him, that historical Jesus, the authentic substance of authentic faith and eternal life. Now, John means all of this as encouragement. And I hope that that has landed for you. I hope, I hope... It's helped you to be aware that at this stage of history, messages that are anti-Christ, against Christ, trying to erode your faith in Christ, messages like that will abound. So things aren't going off the rails when you hear people saying things like that. And the things that your friends or your family or church leaders or any other influential people, anything that they say, can try and shift your confidence in Jesus. And you might find that your faith is feeling to you a little bit naive. It might not feel very progressive. You might feel like you've got a powerless and silly faith. But please, be encouraged this morning that if you did believe that, then that would be fake news. If you bought into that lie that you're naive, that you're gullible, well, that's fake news. Because anyone who is here in this room who trusts that old news about Jesus, you have an anointing and you have the truth. The thing John wants you to do is remain Remain. See to it that it remains in you. So don't be discouraged. Remain. Go deeper into Jesus. Remain. Because there's no new news that you need. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you have not... um, Put us here in the world that we're in with a a real vulnerability to hearing all kinds of news that distort the message of Jesus. Thank you that you told us in advance that there would be messages that usurp Jesus and that we can identify them when they happen. But thank you that you've not left us um, without a foundation for our faith, that you've actually given us the truth. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you that people who've taught us faithfully from your word teach us the truth, and your spirit teaches us the truth. And Father, we ask for your help and, and for your spirit, that anointing in us, to give us more and more confidence to dig deeper into Jesus and to spot the fake news. Anytime that we feel undermined, anytime we feel silly or gullible or naive, Lord, give us that confidence in your spirit that your spirit and your truth point us to the authentic heart of Christian faith, which is just Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the man. Jesus, the one who died and rose again. Lord, give us more and more confidence in him. And help us, we pray, equip us to live in the world in this last hour. Equip us, we pray, to to know how to um, remain in you Though there might be things that shake us, give us your spirit and give us more and more of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.